Live. Live on. Live on set. And welcome to another episode of Live on Set. Live on Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. Similar to last week and the week before, a little bit of the family, a little bit of the friend category, but making his second appearance on Live on Set, the episode 35 guest is back for episode 45. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Beck. Gary, how's it going? It's going great. Happy to um, be here, talk about some of my uh, favorite topics with one of my favorite people. So I am grateful to be asked back. Love it. Now, there have been so many people who have wanted to come back that, that maybe thought that they brought good things to set, and I said, you know what, I'll get back to you. But this is what I needed back as soon as possible. I'm joking. Every, every, every episode's been so fun so far, but no, thanks so much for coming back. But uh, similar fashion to um, people who have been on the show previously that are coming on for a second time or have come on more than twice so far is talking a little bit about the stuff we touched on previously and then bringing something new to the show. So for those who listened last time, Gary was episode 35, The Day of the Jackal. We talked a lot about the movies that uh, Gary was a fan of, movies that we had seen together, but then also he was going to a comedy show for a comedian that I'm a very big fan of. I know some other people who have been on the show are big fans of, but more importantly, I know that Gary is a fan of. And so Gary had the luxury of seeing John Mulaney with his first tour back on stage since he was going through some stuff. So we'll start there and then we'll, we'll, we'll go. So how was John Mulaney? He was, um, definitely great. Me and my girlfriend went up to Boston to see, uh, John Mulaney at, um, a little venue, a little historic venue they have up there near the Wilbur. So it was a very, um, intimate set. And we actually, um, were, um, because of our tickets and because we chose to do the late night, we were about, or the late night show, we were about like 20 feet away from him. So great. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, in terms of his general set, he was definitely the same level of funny he's always been. He's always killing it. I think this, um, if this special ever comes out or if elements of the special come out, and I know he talked, uh, he did a little bit of his set with um, some of the re- reducted punchlines on Seth Meyers um, a little bit after, mm-hmm. but it's a very intimate and dark set. He's always talking about combating things. Usually in his past specials has been like combating his like insecurities or combating, you know, um, other like more relevant things to a lot more of his audience. Right. Um, but this was more about him combating drug use and um, what it was like and what was running through his head. Um, during his intervention, as well as going through rehab and just battling drug addiction, being a drug addict in secret f- while being a public figure for most of the time. So um, he did it in a very funny way. He made fun of a lot of his friends at his intervention, um, especially Nick Kroll. <laughs> <laughs> so you would think that um, he, Nick gave his sign off to do that, and I think it could be divisive in terms of subject matter and joking because there's a lot of people that go through these things and they can't make jokes about it right but i think with john mulaney being a comedian i think this is how he deals with everyday life everything that flies with him he tries to turn into a joke that's how he copes with things so while it could be um something that the topic matter might not be humorous to all people he i think he handles it in a great way um you can tell he's having fun 
Um, we'll see about the relationship stuff. He right. did not bring up Olivia Munn um, during the set. Right. This was pre-pregnancy announcement. Right. So um, we'll see if they're, st- with all the rumors flying, we don't know if they're together or um, separated, but um, we right. will. We only know what the future will, to- will tell with them, those two. It's it's crazy because um, everything with season three, if there's been, of, of live on set, there's been guests who have come on the show um and maybe it, this would be two for two because someone who had came on the show previously was a good friend of mine, Shannon, who the main segment of that episode was all about the Free Britney movement. Yeah. And then the episode dropped on a Monday and that Wednesday or Thursday, there was a huge thing that broke with it. So maybe we'll find out this week if, you know, if they are officially broken up, mm-hmm. if if what the status is, things like that with Olivia Munn and John Mulaney. But are you saying this podcast was part of that final, you know, push over the ledge? You know, <clears throat> I think that the 20 listeners, regardless of what country they come from, are finally going to someone's going to tweet something <laughs> that has no affiliation. They don't follow the show, but they just listen to it because they don't have enough guts to follow it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, it's going to break it wide open. Oh, it's going to be everything that, that they need to know to kind of get over that get over that um, obstacle but no with with Mulaney I know we talked about him so much last time and I know that I'm a big fan of his as well uh, from his times as an SNL writer but either the show that he had or the stand-up specials that he's had or really his performance on SNL post when he was a writer Mm -hmm. the fact that he's one away from like being a five-timer that quickly after hosting for the first time and his episodes being so good, I think it's a product of him knowing the show so well. Yeah. But I, I would love to see him like go to a stand-up show of his. Mm-hmm. He, him and Pete Davidson did a show together the December before COVID. And tickets dropped at like noon. And before 1230, they were sold out. So I, had, I remember what I was doing that day. And when I went back to look, like they were all gone. Yeah. So I, I know that what he does is he'll post on Instagram – kind of like his the like from scratch basically and then a city and it could be late show added or how many shows whatever and they're just it's they're being sold out so quickly oh yeah no we had to do pretty much a resell site of yeah. someone who jumped on it quickly and yeah. uh was just looking for a couple of schmucks and um <laughs> i was i was that schmuck <laughs> <laughs> right right no he is definitely someone who sells out so quickly and his fan base is is kind of i mean i guess it's bigger than ever i mean there's a couple of stand-ups that i would say are bigger than john mulaney but um that are out right now that are kind of actively touring mm-hmm. but i went to a stand-up show this we're recording this on halloween but i went the first sunday of october to see tom segura yeah so tom segura was great he was someone who originally i had bought tickets to see him at the uh west palm improv where he was doing these small kind of like intimate shows where he would do two there on like a Saturday or a Friday and a Saturday. And then Sunday he'd go down to Miami and do a Spanish show. Cause he's got two specials in the works with Netflix mm-hmm. and it got pushed back. So that I had postponed a trip with some guys who all of which have been on the show before. And then we pushed it to go on our golf trip, like almost like six months later than we should have gone for the same weekend for things to line up. And then he just postponed it again. And I was like, well, we got to do this because we won't get the same, whatever. It was a lot of other stuff that went into it, but he ended up going back down there and performing. in I think like February or March of, of 2021. And we just did go. So when he put on sale, coming back to Orlando, 
we just jumped at it because we didn't get to see him previously. Mm-hmm. So, but he was fantastic, and he's adding second shows almost everywhere that he's going, and he's doing almost every city, and he's selling out so quickly, and he's really someone that's gotten really big over the past couple of years, yeah. a product of that being like his stand-up material, but also how big his podcasts are, mm-hmm. Your Mom's House and Two Bears, One Cave. So, But for those who have not seen Mulaney, what would you say is a reason why they should maybe go see a show of his? I think he is just an expert of the craft he has such a great stage stage presence um and you can see that some on some of his netflix specials but it's um um so much to be there live there's a lot of it feels like you're part and i mean this might just because we were in orlando i've been in disney for the past four days right but it seems like you are part of the sketch the way he nervously like looks around looking for affirmation from the crowd um that is one of his usual techniques i would say right so it just feels like you've been brought into his world which is um obviously in some of the earlier specials kind of whimsical and kind of neurotic but in this one it's um it's more uh gallows humor right right no i love that it's it's someone like i said i'm hoping to be able to see Mm -hmm. but then also i know that there's a lot of people who have been on the show that like him a lot and people that have listened to the show that i know have asked me if i've liked him And so, and that's a yes. So we'll see what happens. Um, something you mentioned there before we get into our main segment was Disney. And this is now the the third podcast that I've recorded with someone in, I physically see you, versus the other 40-something have been done, you know, via Zoom, So, which is a treat within itself. Um, but how was your uh, Disney trip? And we'll start there, and then we'll get into the main segment. I mean, Disney, they are always go all out um this is my first time going to the uh new star wars area in um hollywood studios and it's just the two rides they have there that i went on which were um smugglers run which is the millennium falcon ride of course as well as rise of the resistance i was able to do um both times because of um a rider switch so i was able to um experience pretty much back to back and they were they were just amazing they are top disney rides i think rise of the resistance which isn't um it is a ride with a with motion and you are in like strapped into a car but um since they got all the um a star actors from the star wars things while they were still in their contracts unlike you know going to pandora where they have the fake sigourney weaver and stuff like that (laughs) right right um i think it makes for probably a close to perfect Disney ride. Right. And then, um, it's always good to always go to tower of terror, which I did with you, yes. which is my, probably my favorite ride, um, in Disney. It's just, it's a legacy ride. If they ever get rid of it, there'll be riots in the streets. That's true. But it's always go- good to go back. It's always good to get rained on for like 30 minutes every day. Sure. Um, unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, one of those things where we went with a small kid this time. This is yes. the first time right. uh, we have a new kid in our friend group. Uh, 28 now, yeah. He's 26, <laughs> he's 26 and a half. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he just turned two on um, Monday. So that obviously added some fun dynamics to it, having seen him experience everything. His favorite ride was the free Skyliner ride. Yes. Um, so <laughs> we know he's not going to be that expensive as a child. Right. But um, it's always um, great for somebody that was introduced to Disney by you, um, Connor Brown and Hank Molsky and our friend group to also um, experience somebody experiencing Disney for the first, pretty much the first time. I know he came when he was a lot younger, right? but um, experience somebody who's a little bit more cognizant 
and I can't wait to um, go again with Owen when he's when he's older, right? And um, maybe not throwing pasta on the floor at Sanal. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's for for me, and I've said this on the show previously. Like when I went to the parks growing up, it was for a field trip, except for one time. Yeah. Where there was like an extended Easter break for school, and I was like fourth or fifth grade maybe, and my parents, we stayed at Coronado, and we went to Epcot, and then another park, and then it was like two or three days when we were out and we were home. Like a, a trip, like a staycation, I guess, since I grew, I grew up here. But it was not until I met Connor at High Point, where we went to college as well, yep. where it made me kind of open my mind to everything the parks had to offer. Because mm. when it was those field trips that I would go on, it would be... I had gone to all of them except for Hollywood for a field trip. And then Hollywood, I had gone to one other time. But with with going with Connor, someone who had gone sometimes multiple times a year with his family growing up, he had gone to the parks 20-plus times more than I have, and I lived yeah. 25 minutes from the place. Yeah. So, and, and his, I think, passion and, and love and appreciation for Disney as a whole, but in particular the parks— he knows it so well. So depending on who he goes with, yeah. he knows how to maybe kind of plan or kind of divvy up and time manage um, the day to where you're getting something out of it that it might be the same experience as last time, but you might notice things you didn't see before. But then also it could be a completely different experience, even though you're in the same place. And so that's something that Connor does really well. But it's something that um, I didn't know after getting like closer with Henry that he also was a big fan of Disney as well. But when it when it comes to to Connor, even me living here, and if I'm going out to the parks, if he's not going, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to the parks today. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Yeah, and because he knows everything, J.K. Element of P. Everything. Yeah. So with Disney, I was able to go to Hollywood for a couple hours yesterday, and you know, did Tower of Terror and the Skyliner a couple times, which was great. So I got to see Owen enjoy that, but then also Rock and Roller Coaster, which is a, a big is a favorite of mine as well. Mm-hmm. But I did go on Rise of the Resistance one time, and I've done Smuggler's Run only once, and actually that was with Henry as well. Were you the pilot? I was not the pilot. Oh, I gosh. had no. I was given little to no responsibility. Um, <laughs> but after being the Rebel spy on Star Tours, I kind of keep a low profile. With oh, all you Star, got to. With, you all got this, to. with all the, with all the Star, <laughs> Star Wars rides there. So, um, but with 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 Rise of the Resistance, it's 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 an experience unlike any other. But then also the fact that. It's so popular. If you don't do that at the beginning, or if you're not lucky with kind of how you can get like in the virtual queue for the for the day for the day, it's something that is. If you do go to Hollywood Studios, it's a can't miss. Yeah, correct. And yeah. it's something that. And that's why it's always great to have Connor right, and Hank there because right. they're always you know on top of that stuff. Right. And it, there's so many apps and so many uh, different pathways to of course. Um, be able to experience it. And then gets grateful to have two people that um, are experts in that right. when I'm just, you know, right. a neophyte, just um, moving from ride to gin and tonic, ride to gin and tonic. Sure, you know? sure, sure. I, I know that when, when it comes to like Disney as a whole, I had done the annual pass thing, but not until Connor had gotten down here. So I'm going to re-up I think with the Pirate Pass, which is a Florida resident pass, but starting that in January, because I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it out to the parks between now and, and January, but it just makes sense. I mean, by the time you go, like, maybe th- three or four times for a Florida resident, you're basically, you know, kind of good. But then also that if, if, if you or Henry or other people kind of come down and we're out of the parks, it just makes sense of having a park ticket being, like, one less thing to worry about, because you kind of have that pass. Mm-hmm. So. One that I've had in the past, but then in and Universal, but then now not really going as much as I used to previously. Um, I think it's time to kind of get back in the game. Yeah, 
So there's a lot of uh, dogs fans uh, there this weekend. <clears throat> yes, and um, I came home, and I think the good thing is about with live on set is creating like a safe space. So. For me, I mean, you could only cry so much. <laughs> and the fact that the defense was not the problem yesterday for it to be closer than it was, it's 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 um I have a whole new understanding and uh, um I guess a PTSD situation of what a 2-minute drill can really do to you. <laughs> <laughs> and so for for those who are might understand like what dogs at Disney and what one what one crazy um we're talking about the Georgia Bulldogs, which is Gary's team and the Florida Gators who played yesterday. It was a victory for the Bulldogs, who remain the number one team in the country, who are the best-looking team by far that are out there. They're faster, they're bigger, they're stronger than everybody. But they did beat the Gators 34-7 yesterday. But what occurred within the last two minutes of the second quarter, really it was one of the most frustrating things as a Gator fan that I had seen um, to really just – it was just bad. It was bad, it was bad, it was bad. But – the defense played well yesterday, which was a positive, I guess. Um, but our, our offense, which had kind of been more consistent than the defense up to this point in the season, um, kind of fell apart there. So, but uh, when it, when it comes to Georgia, with Kentucky losing last night, they did clinch their punch their ticket to go back to Atlanta yep. for the SEC championship, and they will most likely, unless Alabama drops another game, play Alabama. But you have to think at that situation with other teams being one loss. We'll see if Cincinnati gets in or not. Um, I feel like the whole world is hoping for them to lose. But um, Michigan State is undefeated. Ohio State is lost once, but they're playing well. Oklahoma will most likely get in. I don't see a situation that if Al- if Georgia wins out but they lose to Alabama, they'll still get into the playoff just because of kind of how things are playing out right now, which which is a situation of a team that might not win their conference championship but deserves the go because they're better than the other teams that would be in contention. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but we'll see. I mean, w- for the fact that they're rolling with Stenson Bennett and not JT Daniels, who they said was going to be their guy going into the season, and for them running the ball and their defense being incredible, I, I just think that they are going to uh, go pretty far. Fingers crossed. And uh, knock on as much of wood as possible. Sure. We have been burned before. Um, we are probably one of the most jaded fan bases. Uh, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Another team that we're, we're fans of are the Braves, so we'll touch on them before we get to the yeah. the main uh, segment. But we're one away. Um, when my cousin came on last week, we were one away. We recorded earlier in the week, and with Gary, we're recording the day before this is going to come out. So uh, when <clears throat> my cousin Brendan and I recorded, we uh, were, I think, 3-1 to the Dodgers, and we lost that game, and then we won the next one mm-hmm. and went to the World Series for the first time since 1999. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I, I think the fact that we, we the Braves continue to win games in the postseason, find a way to win games, right? Yeah, to really to find a way to win games, but really kind of be games in games at all without like a dominant pitcher right now, and then losing our most dominant pitcher who was active at the time with Charlie Morton. So we'll see if if Freed and and Anderson if they have to pitch again, if they can pitch as well as they did previously, but then also to see if we can keep. Um, like Rosario and Freddie and Riley yeah. and Duvall, if they can all keep and Dansby had a home run last night too, and Solaire. So yeah. we'll see what happens. It'll be great if they can win one more because that's our magic number. Uh, but we'll see what happens because Houston, as much as they get the flack that they deserve, yes, have very a very good team. Yeah, they do. So so like I said, we are recording this on a Sunday. It is the last Sunday of October, and the last Sunday of October, the last day of October rather, is Halloween. Uh, 
here we go. <laughs> and um, uh, that was a real, um, I guess, how would you describe that sound? Because I'm not, I'm not going to have to pay for it. That was real. That was real. That was live on set. So that was that was that was ad lib. So we're great. Um, but everything's great. Uh, but after I recorded, I believe it was "Wish You Were Here," which was the first episode, one of the first episodes of Live On Set with our good friend Joe Molsky, the younger brother of Henry, both of which who have been on the show. Uh, that was some Halloween theme. We talked about candy a little bit. We talked about some scary movies, but we talked a lot about Travis Scott. But Gary said when he came on for Day of the Jackal, he said, we don't need any more of that Joe Molsky nonsense no. for a topic that I am the only person you should consider. And that's why you're back. And so let's talk about um, Halloween for a second. Okay. If you're a fan of, 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 I guess, the holiday, are you a fan of Halloween as, as, not, as a whole? N- not really. Not so much. You know, I, I'm a big candy guy. I love of course, candy. Of course. But I think kind of I grew out of it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um and um, it just seemed more of a time where I could like, actually, like, there's scary movies on 24-7, yes. you know? So it kind of moved from the kind of trick-or-treating part to, like, let's just stay inside, give people candy, watch scary movies. Um, so I think that's kind of one of the reasons I'm so excited about scary movies. There are stuff when I was a kid, they terrified me Mm -hmm. but and i don't know what was the triggering event that made me fall in love with them so much but here we are where it's um i'd rather stay inside and watch scary movies right what is your favorite halloween candy and then we're gonna get right into it i mean this might take up the entire episode big fan of candy corn okay 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 Um, for those college football fans, he talked about Mike Leach, who him and Mississippi State Bulldogs beat Kentucky last night. He was anti candy corn. He was yeah. very vocal about it. You know, I'm kind of in the middle. Okay, it's something that if I did like it, I feel like every year, maybe all year long, I would develop a nasty habit. You could just like a like popcorn. You just you know go yeah. in and go for it. Um, but I'm a big fan of the Kit Kat. I'm not a big sweets person. Uh, Connor, yeah. who not only is a good friend of the show, but we're using his technology to make this episode happen has kind of called me out on my dessert and, and, and sweets recently. Okay. But I'm a big fan of the Kit Kat. I, it's something... It's a consistent candy. <clears throat> you never get a bad Kit Kat. That's true. But I, I like to put it in the fridge. Um, but I'm going to have to maybe either decide, because I do have some Halloween stuff outside the house right now, mm-hmm. decide if, if I'm going to even consider giving out candy tonight. But um, no, big fan of the Kit Kat. My parents growing up were a big fan of the Charleston Chew. And that, that was, they kind of put that mm-hmm. into the fridge, which kind of got me okay. various things. Uh, the Reese's Cup is nice. It got harder to chew. That is, you know what? And that's <laughs> that, why, and that's that's why I stopped. That's a three-hour event. <laughs> that's, why, <laughs> that's why I stopped. I mean, the Swedish fish is, is nice, but I'm really kind of not a big candy person at all. Yeah. But I try to stay away from it. I was big, big. Not really Halloween candy, but like Mike and Ike's oh, huge. Sure. Um, bunch of crunch, especially of going to the movies. So of once you get older and that metabolism starts going, you try to ha- stay away from processed sugar as much as possible. <laughs> right. Um, or you, you have one little good and plenty, and then it makes you rethink your whole life, and yeah. you stay away. You stay away from from candy forever. Um, but no, w- one thing I'll definitely touch on is when it comes to what we're going to talk about here for the main segment is we have seen so many films together, so many. Um, I think great movie going experiences one that will never be topped has to be gravity that we shared with with henry but when it when it talked about last time yes and 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 one thing that really stands out for me 
um, as a movie that really made me be scared of scary movies where I didn't really have any sort of um, stands on if I was scared of them or not growing up is a movie that I think is actually on Hulu right now, but it's a movie that I'm not sure if I mentioned last time, so you could very much judge me, but it's a safe space. I'm learning more and more each day about everyone that comes on this okay. show. Okay. But it affected me for a couple of years, then I finally snapped out of it, and that film is The Village. Yikes. <laughs> which Deacon shot. Yes. And, and, and Beautiful you know, film. And Phoenix, and Adrian Brody, Bryce Dallas Howard, and uh, William Hurt. It's, it's a great cast. It was something that really messed with me, mm-hmm. but then I watched movies kind of like in high school, like those like like screens. Because that was two thousand four. Like Village that was four, yeah. right? And and for me, there's everyone's level of am I scared? Am I terrified? Is different than the other person. And there's Absolutely. a lot there's a lot of movies that are um, I would consider more thriller based that kind of get me more than any sort of like gore guts hot like Halloween kind of mm-hmm. movies, right? But for me. I think the scariest movie that I feel like I've ever seen in my entire life or it got me that I saw multiple times in theaters because I just, that, that element of fear, I was like, I'll go back again. And I somehow was gotten scared and scared more times after I knew what was happening was The Conjuring. I was about to guess. Right, right, was The Conjuring. Uh, But one that I will definitely say, like that thriller aspect of just kind of like going to, like, I, I feel like, that aspect of maybe what could happen in, in, in real life or, or things that would not be that crazy. Or maybe when we see these films, they feel like it's taking place at, at like the, the time frame that we're living in. Mm-hmm. A, a movie like that would be Us. But when it comes to like that sort of film genre and the experiences that you have, this is your bread and butter. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why you have felt so close to that, maybe that film mm-hmm. genre, and then some of your, some of your favorites. Yeah, no. Um, I think the main thing is, is besides, you know, hardcore IP slash superhero films, I think horror films are the, they make, they still make money. They're, um, whether they're independent or they have some studio behind it, they are relatively cheap to make compared to their returns. So you get a lot, you got, got a lot more chum in the water. Right. Um, so it's always great to have that new content. I mean, there's, uh, the shutter app. Um, which is, I think it's like $5 a month or something. And mm-hmm. they release like two or four, two to four new horror films a year. Just, it's just, um, it's just horror films on the app. So mm-hmm. it's always great to have, um, especially this day and age, new content to watch, especially new contents you care about. And some of those are going to be duds. I mean, there are crappy horror movies. And I think, um, I don't know what the exact cause of the shift war, but I remember growing up horror movies to me were like final destination and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're ones that aren't, aren't well written, aren't well acted, but they were just, or like 13 ghosts is a great example. Right. Um, but there's been this shift of, um, horror movies, um, whether you want to call it mumble gore or, um, what of people that really love horror movies, love the old school horror movies, think they have something to say and they release things that, um, a are cheap to make and B are well thought out. And kind of, that's where I fall in line. And I think trying to find my thought as I'm talking, I don't know if that was like, you know, Blair witch in 1999. Um, that was like, okay, this cost you know, $15,000 to make, or maybe it was even, closer to when we're recording this podcast and paranormal activity. Right. Cause we're seeing a lot more of that found footage. And that's one of the one I love that genre of found footage horror films because 
Um, not only do you have the POV, but you just have so many things where you feel like, oh, the characters didn't see that, but I saw that. Right. Um, and that's like one of my favorite, uh, or some of my favorite ones um, that I recommend, that I think one's on Amazon. It's called Hell House LLC. Horrible name, but it's actually a great, great movie. Um, they made three of them. The first one's all-time great um, found footage horror movie, and it's about a group of young New, or- New Yorkers who um, every year they set up a haunted house, and it's very popular in New York City. They decide to move to upstate New York, and they um, find a abandoned hotel, and that hotel that they're setting up a haunted house in ends up being haunted. Mm. And there's just one person who's been told to document, you know, just them setting it up, blah, blah, blah. And um, it's just an easy premise. It's a premise that has kind of been done, but not as well. But it's all, I have never seen any of these actors in anything else. Right. I have never seen the director, Stephen Cosnetti do anything else. It's just this one movie. Uh, I think it was uh, 2016 it was released. Okay, But it adds one of my favorite horror techniques for found footage is like someone recording themselves and oh and there's something behind them right. you know where it's like oh gosh what's happening but it's just a very well done film by people that seemingly haven't done anything else and i'm just waiting for them to do something else and it's one of those films like i think you got to a good point with the thriller aspect there are so many horror slash thriller movies where they start off horror a good one i don't know if you've seen it is night house with rebecca hall <laughs> that um just came out um in theaters, and I think it's VOD now, so you can go on Apple TV and rent it for probably six, seven bucks. But it starts off a lot, you know, like a traditional horror movie, House is Haunted movie. Right. But then after that first act, it more turns into like investigative. So it's kind of like what lies beneath. I would give it the most mm-hmm. comparative to in terms of movie that's been out for a while of where something spooky is going on in the neighborhood. But right. let's get to the bottom of what's spooky, and that's kind of where it goes but yeah i think found footage is good um there's um if anybody out there is um willing to do subtitles which i think are great for a horror movie because you have to put your phone down you have to be completely invested what's going on there's gongji om insane asylum which is on amazon prime right now um and that is pretty much uh, a similar concept of a um fake ghost show that go to like you know like paranormal encounters or something like that that end up going to a um, an insane asylum in Korea that ends up being actually haunted. So it is completely frightening. One of the scariest experiences of my life, I think, watching it. Um, but it's just those interesting things of you can get, you know, amateur actors, cheap equipment, right. um, and make it done. Mostly because all these movies happen in dark settings, and it's very cheaper to shoot dark sets than it is to light sets. Right. Um, you save a lot of money, but there's um, some fascinating things. But like, what are your kind of like horror movies that like, if some, you saw something like, oh, it takes place in this era. Oh, it takes place in this setting. Like, what do you like? I feel like I watched The Shining for the first time in a very long time mm-hmm. last year. And I just feel like being at a place like that and you're trying to like putting yourselves in, in, in the, the, shoes of of Jack Nicholson's character a writer's block combined with this big place that no one is at you begin to feel and do do certain yeah. things so like when that film takes place for that time i feel like that could happen anywhere with 
one movie that definitely I, I think it's a, it's a product of the times that these films are shot in. Another one that I've heard people liked it and didn't like it was It Follows. Okay, that that might be one, but when I I don't really know, like the whole blood and guts thing, like that that does not really scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was about the conjuring that that really kind of scared me so much when you talk about like the paranormal it's like paranormal activity three that scared me that's i mean that's underrated that's actually the best one of the series i know paranormal people say no the original paranormal but i think paranormal activity um three and i forget who they partnered with for it but um uh, they brought in um two new either writers or directors and they just had added so many more elements to it. I think the paranormal activity was a lot of like just staring at the screen, like, wait, did something happen? But paranormal activity three, they actually like looped it. Fortunately, it's all gone downhill since then. Right. Um, not many good movies have been made, but um, especially um, it a, shows a lot what you can do with quote unquote found footage right. and POV. <clears throat> I wish I got a little bit more out of like The Witch, but then one thing that that really movies that I have not seen that I feel like would are, are films that I I should have seen by now mm-hmm. are Hereditary, yeah, and Midsummer. Okay, I, I don't. You can go see the Lamb. I you know what I wouldn't <laughs> mind because of uh, like Numi. Yeah, uh, I, I liked her from Prometheus and some of the yeah. other films and the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but mm-hmm. I I think like. I need to, it's the one film genre that I really need to kind of get the more invested. So I'm glad that I have a really good friend that can yeah. show me the ways or at least show me, give me some options of like, these are kind of different, but they're very good in their own right. You should give them a try. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've never seen the exorcist. So the exorcist came in at the perfect time for the exorcist to come out. Like, I don't think the exorcist is more of like a gross out movie or like, you know, clutch or pearls movie because it's just a little girl doing all these things. Right. But I wouldn't consider it like kind of a, you know, jump scare or any like scary movie. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of the devil right. type movie. Right. Um, but it's great to live in D.C. normally. You know, you can always just run up those Georgetown stairs. Um, but uh, I think it's a must-see. But I think if we're talking like horror movies and like what horror movies you um, have become, I think you kind of have to start with the original Halloween 1978, John right. Carpenter's. Because that kind of kicked the doors open, and it's been um, people have been re- trying to recreate that ever since, including you know the 2018 Halloween um, that that Danny McBride and oh, I'm uh, David Gordon Green, David Gordon Green, um, who of course um, write, write and direct uh, Precious Gemstones, and right, of uh, um, they do this, these they do these films simultaneously with Precious Gemstones, which right, is hilarious. Right. But um, and then they just released a new one, so I thought the 2018 one was. Um, was very good. Right. I thought it was very good. 2014 one, or not the 2014 one, um, the one that was just released um, this year um, had some significant problems with, which uh, is unfortunate because I know they were making three, and I thought for maybe the second one they could have a little bit more fun with since they didn't, they weren't bogged down to a, a conclusion that they had to do. So, But getting back to my original thought, I mean, looking at 1978 from Halloween on, I mean, that spawned, um, you know, Freddy um, Krueger that spawned, gosh, I'm blanking on it, Jason. Jason. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, he wasn't in the first um, Friday the 13th. That's right. it. That's right. what it was. Right. Um, but um, those are all just classic, classic films. And uh, I think looking at like kind of a second genre of horror film, subgenre of horror films I love, I love 
you know, camp horror films, you know, okay. uh, sleepaway camp um, horror films. And I think that was based on uh, my first watching of Friday the 13th. But um, there's a lot you can watch on. There's um, The Burning, which is very good. Very hard to find. So if you can find it, please watch it. And it's not the um, not the very recent, uh, I think, Korean film that came out. Okay. It is The Burning, um, which is very good. There's also um, Sleepaway Camp, which was, uh, I think, late to... It was either mid to late 80s. It's kind of problematic looking at the ending of it, but um, <laughs> in terms of today's cancel culture, but it is... Um, also very good films and then they recently netflix had their fear street uh series which was based on is it rl stein's books or i think so yes and they did three um three films that are connected um different years and the middle one i think is the best one and that's kind of a sleepaway camp movie so that's kind of a a good way to get into horror if you're wanting to get into horror films um of being kind of weaned into it in a kind of netflix way that's um that is digestible, but also is packed with the legacy that happened before it. Yeah, no, that's so well put, and and I think that just like history has so much, really. Not, I don't, I don't want to say like say, but history is such a big part of it because mm-hmm. when when you look at not just the times that they're made in, but the the influences that the filmmakers at that time have, like there might be some similarities between like James Wan today, yeah. and then when the like John Carpenter in the seventies or um, Kubrick doing whatever he wanted to do, and and um, I I really think that with this genre that for some reason people really just kind of go crazy with it in October. Not all the the movies are released in October for them people to be like that. Yeah, and like the Conjuring was released Peele's over the summer. Next one's coming up in it's I like think, February or yeah, March or something. Yeah. So with and 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 I'm interested to see cuz that one's got is bringing Daniel Kaluuya back, mm. Kiki Palmer's involved. Um it'll it'll be a, a some new cast members that have really not existed in, in that Jordan Peele world that he's created and he's two for two. Like I really can't wait to see what happens I think with with Get Out uh being so how big culturally that was and and how it was one of the highest grossing films that year, but then also like us which I think I liked more than Get Out. That's a controversial opinion. Which is controversial. Yeah, I'm yes. going to have to ask you to get off. This is my podcast now. Sure. I'm going to have to ask yep, you to get yep, off. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and as someone who respects a safe space, as does Gary, I'm going to have to uh, sign off and Gary's going to talk for the next 25 minutes about whatever he wants. Good night. Thank you. Um, it's the Lord's Day, so I'll go to church and yeah. I'll get this out of me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll please. be back next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but no, I, I definitely need to, and I think I kind of touched on this earlier, it's not of me determining what my level of Am I scared of this? Is mm. this going to affect me? I know what's like funny to me. I know what I get out of it. If it could be like um, a, a drama or like a romantic film or something, I'm just so not. My experience with films that we've talked about is just so low mm. that when I talk about certain movies that would f- fall within that genre, like I'd say the scariest movie that I saw growing up that didn't scare me are people like Jaws. Yeah, like like Jaws is is not a scary movie to me at all. But I, I think that's more of an adventure movie. I think there's always films that have like horror elements in them, right? Um, whether it be setting or tonally, or even like a scene. Like I remember, still one of the scenes that makes me jump the most, even though I've seen it a hundred times, is uh, Bilbo Baggins reaching for the ring in <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. Sure. Um, and there's just 
there's ways that you can implement or learn lessons from it that I think every true director takes into a film, whether it's comedy or horror, because it's all about timing. Right. Um, and speaking specifically about time, uh, comedy, I think there's um, a great, you know, middle ground. I think that's why David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride are writing the new Halloweens because there's so much you can do. And then Jordan Peele, background in comedy, right? Horror film right. Uh, um, director. So. I think there's a lot of um, middle ground that you can find um, and lessons that you can learn from each about people being on the edge of their seat because that's what every director wants. Right. And I like what you said about Jaws being an adventure film because I think Spielberg has said the same thing because that was 1975. So when it comes to like movies around at that time, there were so many movies before that and then so many movies like Jaws after that that a big part of those films were... I'm going through some stuff. There we go. And we're back. I'm glad we're doing this one in person. <laughs> right. Everything. We're having a nice time. A big part of those movies are the score. Yeah. Like that is really a character within its own right. Something that you hear, but you can never see because that's mm-hmm. just not how it works. But I, I agree with what you're saying. And, and it's so interesting, but you say about like people that maybe we would know for their, like the, what they've delivered to us or provided us from a comedic aspect are, are um, really kind of like, I'm not sure if comedy is like a cross training thing and like in and like in like the back ways and then they they come out with these these films that they're produced at the right at the directed that they're in it and they do so well or or it it pays off uh, that's interesting that's yeah. something that I'm sure there's other people out there that have been able to do that but I I really just want to be able to um like a good friend of mine who's been on the show before that I had to remove the episode because it was um we call, I added I added it to a, a short list of, of episodes, some that made it out and some that were rele- some that were released and some that were not called the lost tapes. Oh. So a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Matt Williams, him and, and his wife Julie, they watch a scare like a scary movie every single day for October, and it's it's something they've done yeah. for the past couple of years. They do it every year, and there's some movies on there that. One could be like Hocus Pocus, or, yeah. or one could be something like that. But then some, it could be The Exorcist, it could be Rosemary's mm-hmm. Baby, it could be The Shining, it could be The Conjuring, etc. Yeah. Uh, Insidious, whatever. And and it's something that maybe it's it's a time commitment, obviously. But then also, I just feel like their appreciation for it is 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 deep as as is yours. Mm-hmm. And I, it's something that I need to kind of get into something like that. Or maybe if it's just like every Friday the thirteenth throughout the year, I, I try to find something, or even like over that weekend, just try to like yeah. get myself in situation. And if that goes well, which I'm sure it will, then try to kind of like double down when it comes to that month of October. Yeah. Um, and then maybe I don't know, see how that goes because I, I think that that's something that it's a it's just like the, it's that one film genre that I just have not really like dive deep into, and it's mm-hmm. something that is so well respected. And some of like the, the the greatest like film going experiences or just overall just stories that are being told are solely in that genre. Yeah. And for someone like myself who has a show like this or is so big on, on, on like film and what goes into it, and not really being as well versed in that genre, I got to do my homework. Yeah. No. And um, no, I know so many people like you. Luckily, um, I grew up with a mom who loves scary movies. So I think she was, my father hates scary movies, my brother hates scary movies, so I think my mom, and that's a way for me, it's always a way for me to connect with my mom. Like, uh, when I go home for the holidays, um, even though it's Christmas, we're watching scary movies, and we're like, right, winding up all the scary movies that we missed over the years, um, or missed over the years, so um, it's that. But there's a lot of 
films that are easily accessible, as I've been saying, that can kind of get you excited, can see you, can get you to understand what's a good horror film. I mean, there's, um, have you ever seen Hush? It's on Netflix. No. Um, uh, about a girl who's deaf and a home invader comes. So it's very good, but even like in the beginning, she loses her cat and she walks around the house looking for the cat, shaking her its bowl, and that's a perfect example of what you need to do in a horror movie, especially one in a confined space. It's like you need to know where she is in location to where the killer might be. Right. So when she's hiding from him, you're like, oh, she's you know upstairs in the attic or something like that. Right. So um, there's so many things like that that you can notice and you can bring on when you're watching more, I don't want to say advanced, but more deeper cuts of horror movies. I see. Well put. Yep. Uh, and I'll have to get with you every time I try to watch something or say, is this, is this yeah. good or not? And then be able to talk to the master. That'd be great. <laughs> Gary Beck, a master class. <laughs> That'd be great. But no, this episode, like everything else, has been great. It's it's something that I, I learn more and more about the people who are good friends of mine, like yourself, but then also people that I I am trying to, with season three, like friends, family, and people I meet along the way. And I do have some people that fall into that people that meet along the way category that are going to be coming on between now and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So those are the episodes that I really kind of learn a lot from because maybe they're approach me and say, hey, I love what you're doing. Can I come on the show? Or also... Um, just people who I kind of like met and became friends with after I already started, like, started the show. Is this where you announced that Michelle Obama's going to be coming on the podcast? She will be coming on <laughs> the third episode of November. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is the one that's going to get me. Across. <laughs> yeah. She is a fantastic woman and she has some great ideas. Um, but she's great. So, uh, no, I, I definitely have learned more about maybe your appreciation or maybe your mindset going into a film, but then mm-hmm. also that you don't necessarily uh, watch films that are the only the ones that come out in theaters. Like yeah. you've done the research, you've watched films that you you uh, have to just lock in with with the subtitles, but then also movies that you have talked about that have been out for longer than we've been alive yeah. that are so, so well-respected today, mm-hmm. which is great. But uh, no, before I close this out, like I do every episode, tell me what you're looking forward to, anything pop culture related, anything in, in life, let, let the listeners alive on set know, and then I'll close this out. I mean, it's not horror-related, but I think anybody that's interested in the MCU is probably, and we talked about this last time, I think everybody's excited about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I think um, the hype is building. We had a trailer since we last talked, and I am very, very excited about that. Also, um, more on the horror side, uh, and I know I mentioned this earlier, uh, really want to go see Lamb, uh, the new A24 film uh i will probably be seeing it alone in an independent theater okay um and um i hope it freaks me the heck out <laughs> i love it yeah uh no you're you're definitely right on there with lamb is a, is a film that um like connor and i like we'll go to the enzian sometimes mm-hmm. and that's where i saw parasite and boyhood and uncut gems and there's so many birdman mud etc um the florida film festival is is headquartered there there's a great restaurant to the eden bar for the early on our listeners that have listened for those who want to know a little bit more about the the enzy and listen to the episode that i had in season one with my friend jason episode four it's it's we talk a lot about the enzy and it's great but with with lamb it's something that that trailer i really enjoyed so much i got to see it in a theater 
You got to. So it just piques your interest. It, it has to. But you know, big fan of uh, Spider-Man. That's a great cast. We'll see what happens with Eternals. Metascore. I mean, as of now, is how big is how, how big's the cast of <laughs> No <laughs> Way Home? Yeah, we, it's, we don't know. We, we, we they don't could know. Be bringing everybody. Right, back. right. And you caught me watching Spider-Man three when you guys came back from the parks on Friday. So yeah. it's uh, you can only get ready so much but then when you go into it it's going to be a whole different experience so yeah. very exciting but no thanks so much for coming on the show that's a wrap on episode 45 of live on set live on set the weekly pop culture podcast where i'm talking film music sports television with my friends family and people i meet along the way thank you again to gary and we will see you next week for another episode of live on set have a good week and as always much love